So, Berto, I thought I would just have a fun conversation with my best buddy, and we would talk about Bond movies, because, you know, the new Bond, James Bond movie came out, and I thought we'd talk about that. I thought we'd also talk about our favorite Bond movies and our favorite Bond songs, and we would rank the Bond actors, and then if we have any time at the end, we might answer some Patreon emails. What do you say, Berto? Bonding over Bond? I love it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda, or should I say Honda, Kirk Honda, <laughs> professor and therapist. My name is Castaneda, Humberto Castaneda, and I make gadgets that are used by international spies. No Time to Die. We just watched it. Uh, different theaters, I believe. Did we not? How many, yes. how many Berdos out of 10 would you give it? Oh, I gave it, and I'll have to rewatch it, but for now, I give it 10. Wow. Your brother also gave it a 10. No, he, he had a, a range. Well, he gave it, he, well, he was doing A's and A's A minuses and, and A pluses. Yeah. It seemed to hover around It's like a nine. Probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I give it a 10. <laughs> so for me, I gave it a seven, which I was surprised by because the Daniel Craig, the, really, when I started ranking all my, the Bond movies, it's pretty much the first 25% of the movies I love because I watched them back then, but... As an adult, like hardly any of the ones that have been released since 1988, I, I, I haven't really liked any of them. Oh, God. And the Daniel Craig ones, everyone was just completely going gaga over. And, and for me, I'm like, I don't know, it just tonally just didn't um, grab me. I mean, there's certainly some awesome scenes, but this movie, you know, Time to Die, the first hour, I thought was fantastic it's so gripping so yeah. gripping the action the gadgets the the locales i mean it just felt like total james bond i knew basically what was happening mm. and i i was very pleasantly surprised the second half it didn't go full morose like some other james bond movies of late but it went kind of morose and slow <laughs> and but then the final scene, I yeah. liked. Spoiler alerts. Which which we won't we yeah. won't spoil. We won't spoil. Right? Yeah. We won't spoil. Because um, you don't really have to. But there's a there's a final scene sequence that That's is really powerful. Pretty powerful, and I cried a bit. Oh, I I was Niagara falling. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was. You know, there's so much wrapped up in the Bond stuff from me loving them as a kid, and and so I, yeah, there was a lot of significance there for me. So I'm going to the movie. And I walk by this restaurant and I just kind of glance inside and I see these people that I know. Uh-huh. Uh, this it, is before or after the movie? Before the movie. Okay. And uh, so I, uh, I've talked about how I uh, go to this trivia movie, movie trivia thing mm-hmm. called Movie Cat. And it's, it's been hosted for like 10 years now by Jess and Brian. And they're a couple. And I saw them. Even though they're wearing masks, they're Seattleites. Yeah, oh. they were wearing masks, and they uh, have very distinctive hair. <laughs> okay. So, I, so I walk in there, and I'm like, "Movie cat! Oh my god!" Uh, because during the pandemic, <laughs> they were all basically the only socializing Stacy and I did was to play this uh, play this movie. A trivia right. game on Twitch, and there was there was only like thirty people playing, so it wasn't. And if you do it every, it was every week. Yeah, I played with you once. Yeah, yeah. and so I ran up to them and said, "Oh my god, you know, movie cat," 
And I'm talking to them for a second, and um, they're like, oh, you know, we're having a, a live show coming up. And I'm like, oh, okay. What? And I'm taking a selfie. And they're, they're kind of laughing, and they're thinking, well, they're saying, you know, this is kind of funny because usually when strangers come up to us to, you know, say things to us, it's because of him. And they point across the table, and yeah. it's, Ken, it's Ken Jennings. Oh. The new Jeopardy host. Right. And the Jeopardy champion. And he's also from Seattle? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's always, he's from Edmonds, actually. Oh, weird. Anyway, um, so, because they're laughing, because they're, they're minor celebrities. You know, they're basically like podcasters, right? Like, like with us. So, so they're right. laughing because they're like, we go out with Ken Jennings all the time. And, and they're usually saying hi to him. Not to us. Oh. But... And so I turn, but he has his mask on too. Okay. And I'm not a big Jeopardy person. Sure. I've probably seen in total seven episodes in my life. Who is Ken Jennings? And so when I looked across the table, I was like, oh crap, they're, they're, they're pointing across at a guy who's supposed to be famous, but I don't recognize him at first. Oh, and they don't say it's because of Ken Jennings. No, they they're like, just him. him. Yeah. And so oh, I look across no. the table and I'm like... <laughs> And Awkward. for some reason, I just, I don't know how, what kind you of, pulled it out of I, what kind of brain cell was connecting, right? I just said, Ken Jennings? And they're like, yeah. yeah, you know, anyway, so we were chatting. And, oh, so you could have been on Jeopardy. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be terrible at it. But um, see the movie. And as I'm walking out of the theater, I went with Bob, actually. And I'm, I open, Bob's kind of back by the garbage cans and so uh -huh. i open the door and i'm holding the door open for everyone as everyone's kind of filing out right and i'm waiting for bob and then i see ken jennings and the movie cat people they're walking by and um and they're like oh what'd you think and i'm like well the first half was really exciting and they all started cracking up laughing because <laughs> They hated it, and they because they thought it was slow. And so when I said slow, what I, when I they said it was too long. They said it was too long. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how it's two and a, two, hour, two and a half, two and a half hours. I mean, come I, it on, it didn't feel slow to me. I I could have had the another second, half hour. The second half <laughs> felt felt long to me. Um, oh my god, no! But anyway, I just thought. It, so on one hand, I was like, okay, they misunderstood what I said that I said the second half was, or the first half was, was fun. Like they thought I was saying it was like a backhanded, yeah. you know, insult to say I that see, the second half was terrible and long. Yeah. And I was kind of saying that, but I wasn't making a joke. But anyway, yeah. they laughed as if I was joking. And I thought, oh, I, I just made Ken Jennings laugh. So. <laughs> and but so now you can't go back on it. <laughs> so anyway, let's do our top five. Uh, that's, that's heartbreaking. So give me your top five Bond movies. All right. Number five, Dr. No. So Doctor No yeah. is a fairly simple movie. Yeah. It's the first it's like it's a detective, the first one. Yeah, it's like nineteen sixty two. Yeah. But it's and got all the elements. It's got all the elements and Sean Connery is amazing in it. He is I think they even have Felix Leiter in that movie. Uh yeah. And they have I mean, but the thing is the gadgets are very straightforward. There's nothing that crazy. Right. They're more like, you know, the kind of Gadget you would expect someone to have a really cool gun, maybe yeah. a, a special briefcase, you know those kinds of things. the The story is is not that over the top. I mean, it's as Bond movies go, and the 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 scenery and the setup is really great. And you have the action sequences, and it sets up the whole little like this is what Bond is. Yeah, you know, 
Um, it's almost kind of like a Scooby Doo episode too, because <laughs> it's got a little bit of that. like on the island. Doctor No has this dragon thing. He has this like tank thing that's right. trying to act like a dragon because he's shooting like, There's fire. There's a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, before we move forward, these movies, especially back then during the Sean Connery days, are incredibly sexist. And I mean, there are, there are literally scenes that I think should be shown to every young young man and boy to talk about you know this is an overt example of rape culture where yeah james bond this is a movie about a about a hero james bond is a hero yeah and he's an agent of the british government he is he's not an anti-hero you know yeah. he is and he's the supposed to be the epitome of masculinity and, right. and the, the male ideal he's suave he's tough he's smart he knows languages, the ladies like him, and he literally rapes people on screen in front of us. Like there's yeah. a there's this very just overt rape scene where he hits on this woman, she does she doesn't like him, she's like, No, get off of me, and he forces himself on her. Yeah. And then she's like, Oh, James. I mean, it is... But that was a trope. and It's terrible, but that was the trope back then. Well, not only the trope, but the cultural... Yeah. Like, when I saw those scenes as a kid... Like, yeah, that makes sense. That's... It, it, yeah, I, I it You're like, yeah, because women will put up a fight, but you just got to fight through it. It didn't phase me Somebody at all. Yeah. Like, it, it, in fact, it probably didn't... I didn't notice it until Cause think about I was them, 35 or something. Yeah, because the message is like, hey... They'll fight you, but that's absolutely normal. But just keep going because eventually they'll like it. Well, and there was this um, uh, this counter or accompanying message and mandate to women that they're not supposed to want it. Right. They're supposed to fight you. But how are you supposed to tell the difference between a woman that's fighting because she's just trying to preserve her purity, sure. but she really wants it? Right. Or literally, she she doesn't yeah. want it, you know. And of course, as a man, you're not supposed to care, right? That's a great point because so much of it was tied into the whole purity thing. Oh, yeah. Women yeah. were, if you as a woman back then pursued a man or even accepted an invitation sexually, yeah. um, especially in that Scarlet kind of context, letter. like that you're, you're a disgusting, you know, yeah. slut person. And uh, uh, anyway, but yeah, so... And that's just the the rape scenes that are happening in the in the in the movies. The there are a lot of other misogynistic ideas. You know, women are stupid and they're just there to be like eye candy. Particularly in those early days, it yeah. it slowly evolved over time. But yeah, and they, they they surprisingly early did start having strong female protagonists or co protagonists, anyways. Uh, but yes, and there are there are racist yeah. episodes. I mean, Sean Connery dresses up as an as a Japanese person. Uh, there's the one that takes place in the South in America. Yeah. It's pretty racist against black people, uh, from my memory. So anyway, we're we're not we're not going to say that isn't happening, and yet, you know, we still love James Bond movies. <laughs> Yeah, just absolutely. just not those scenes. You know, those scenes really stick out, and you're like, oh god, that's right. You know, but when he's driving his Aston Martin and <laughs> you know putting out the smoke screens, and he's got his Walter PPK and right. And 
a lot of these things, unfortunately, are a reflection of the time they were made. It wasn't like they were anomalies, anomalies which is problematic, but, you know. Right. Okay, number four, Casino Royale. This is the first Daniel Craig movie. Yeah, bleh. I love it. I think it revitalized, it cleansed my palate from the silliness that was the Pierce Brosnan era. It certainly did its job and certainly did usher in a new age of James Bond. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it, it, it was definitely flagging there in the, in the, uh, in the aughts. And right? it opens with like this amazing parkour sequence and it's just, and it reboots the whole thing. It's like, this is a new Bond. It's at the start of his story. Uh, we meet the new M. It's just so good. So uh, for me, Casino Royale was really amazing. Uh, number three, No Time to Die. Ah. The new one. Uh, I actually, I wouldn't put it as my number one, and we'll see why, but I had such a good time in this movie from beginning to end, action-packed. Uh, the story, I mean, all these stories are over the top, but as far as the, these stories go, uh, yes, I know there were nanobots involved, but you know, yeah. it, it was fine. And the, well, but so, but those nanobots were different. You yeah. know, Berto's referring to the yeah. fact that whenever a movie writer wants to create magic in modern times, they'll just write in nanobots. Which, <laughs> if you know anything about nanobots, you're like, nanobots can do things, and there are things that are maybe ten years in the future, or yeah. maybe being developed in a secret secret lab right now, but not what they're depicting on. <laughs> You know some of these some of these movies. Well, so the extreme is where the nanobots build anything of any size Do at any, any time, yeah. of any strength. Yeah. Or, now, yeah. I felt that these were still a little not fully like that, but the fact that a little touch on your skin now you can infect the whole world with it. Yeah, and and to me, when they were saying nanobots, if it was a, a mechanical, because sometimes small devices that they're developing today have biological sure. elements to it because it, it, it anyway point is yeah. is that in the movie i just thought oh it's something that More they like developed a virus in a way yeah, yeah it's a technology yeah. that it's essentially a synthetic virus that yeah. they made that, and that made that more was sense. very specific yeah. to certain dna markers and i thought okay that's possible and i liked that yeah yeah so that's cool and the fact that you have the hans landa what's his name um christoph waltz christoph waltz doing a much better performance than even he did in the last movie, which I didn't like the last movie, but he was okay in it. And he's not even the main bad guy in it. That was fun. Yeah. That first Bond girl that he fights along with is such a badass. Yeah. She kicks so much ass Yeah. The, in Cuba. She's so great. Uh, the new, uh, spoiler alert, but not fully spoiler alert, the new 007, she is badass as well yeah and i thought they don't I overplay it they wrote her so well so yeah. it's a black british woman and she is 007 because james bond has quit the force right and in the beginning there's this there's this competition yeah. you know he is like oh you're the new upstart and she's like oh you're the old washed up like dude you know get out of my way i'm the new you know there's this competition between yeah. the the new 007 and the old and then eventually, spoiler, I don't know if this is much of a spoiler, but there's, I won't say they, the they exact bond. lines, but but, <laughs> but but there are, but she leads the way. Yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't reach out to her yeah. in a warm way. She reaches yeah. out to him. And, and which, I, which, I, which shows that the writers are like, this woman, this black British woman 
is smart, is wise, is mature. And like she's they, the official they, agent. They gave her. It would have been so tempting yeah. to make Daniel Craig's character, you know, the, right. the white James Bond guy, the one who extends the olive leaf. But she is the one that's the she takes the high road. She is the better right. one. And I just thought that was so satisfying when they wrote and, that in. And they could have done these like the cheesy things of like uh, literally show the competition side by side, and like they they steered away from doing that. They they did it only a little bit in just the right amount. Like yeah. the fact was that they were both after the same target in Cuba. Yeah. And yes, he ended up in the, ended up getting it, but not, it, it was fine. It's like they were in a parallel track. And so anyways, and, there was some of it, but it wasn't over the top. Yeah. And you know, they're both fighting the good fight yeah, and exactly. they understand that when it comes exactly. down to it, they need to serve their country instead of their own egos. So that was great. My number two, Goldfinger. Yeah. Goldfinger is potentially even I thought more. Goldfinger would be your number one because one of your top five movies was Goldfinger or something, right? Yes, or but. Top 13 movies, maybe. But we will get to why because Goldfinger defines even more than Dr. No, defines Bond. Like yeah. that's the Aston Martin with all the uh, gadgets. Yeah. The super good bad guy. I mean, Goldfinger is like. Uh, that he's one of the bad guys I put in one of my lists. Oh, yeah, and uh, odd job, best you know henchman yeah. or not, you know one of the best henchmen. That actor has like a tragic story. Oh, and I, as a kid, being one of the only Asians on TV, I remember like really bonding with odd. Yeah, job. even though he didn't talk. But <laughs> yeah, and and the movie is good. It's 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 a good movie. Um, so to me, Goldfinger. First of all, I love Sean Connery as a Bond. And Goldfinger is the perennial thing that I measure Bond movies against, except for the number one movie. Yeah, my, uh, <laughs> Goldfinger was my number two as well, uh, strangely. And for the same reason, also, it not only defined Bond, but it defined action movies. Yeah, true. You know, like, this is 1964. It's incredible. If you look at movies made in 1964, or just yeah. the early 60s, they are not good. Right. Like, there's a reason why... Not a lot of people know the classics of the 60s. The 60s right. was a pretty dark time for Hollywood. It, it made a lot of stupid movies. I mean, movies that were probably fine for a popcorn yeah. movie back then, but like they don't hold up like the movies of the, fifth, the 50s and, and 40s the 70s, and yeah. the 70s. And Goldfinger comes out in, in the midst of all that yeah. and and is this standard this classic and so many movies are copying that you know the born identity and you know all these other movies are copying so many elements from that you know and of course uh the spy who shagged me for example and like the line uh do you expect me to sit here and talk no mr bond i expect you to die yeah no mr bond i expect you to die so good yeah okay but my number one bond movie of all time let me see if i can guess Oh, we well, already said Casino Royale. You already said no, no, no time to die. Um, a Golden Eye? No, definitely uh, not. no Pierce Brosnan. Let me let me list. guess. I mean, there's there's early Sean Connery stuff. You got the Man with the Golden Gun. You got. I mean, you certainly wouldn't say Moonraker because you're not you're not a psychopath. <laughs> um, you got. Like, uh, world is not, I don't know. Like, uh, the only thing I can think of is that you picked another early one, like Live and Let Die or something. Or the so, 
it's not Live and Let Die, but it is a Roger Moore movie. Okay. So even though it's not octopus, I love, love, love. No, it's not octopus. Even though I love, love, love Sean Connery, my I my first exposure to Bond was oh. Roger Moore, and this movie was the best Roger Moore movie. What? Which one? The Spy Who Loved Me. Okay, yeah. The Spy Who Loved Me has the Lotus, the white yeah. Lotus that turns into a submarine. Yeah, that's a great one. And it's a good story. It's got a good romance. This is. It's got Jaws. Yeah. It's got Jaws, the bad guy. And this is before... I need to rewatch that one. We should rewatch it. Yeah, we should rewatch it. Yeah. Because this is before they fully jumped the shark in Moonraker. Right. Because that was the follow-up. Yeah. So this movie was perfect for me. Now... Of course, by it modern came out the standards. same year that Star Wars came out. Oh wow! And that's because that's why Moonraker was made because they were yes, trying to respond right, to that. Right. So by modern standards, of course, you know, it, if you compare, like, it's sort of unfair if you compare the action of No Time to Die to any of these movies, like, you know, but you you can't. I don't know. I don't know. Some of those Roger Moore movies have, I think, compelling action. You know, they yeah, they knew what they were doing. True. You know, they, well, actually, they, those those snow chase scenes, right? And the they use actual stunt. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, interesting, interesting. Spy Who Loved Me, the first one. Okay, I could see that. All right, for me, um, number five is Never Say Never Again, which is not considered <laughs> a James Bond movie. But it's a great movie. But it is a James Bond movie. Yeah, and it's I a I mean, great it literally movie. is dung, da da dung, 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 and has Sean Connery. And actually, it fits in well with it being sort of like off the side, because he was like, remember, he was sort of like injured and taking a leave yeah why isn't it considered a james bond movie because it, it wasn't made by the same studio it's not made by the same studio and it was or there was already another bond it was when lazenby was doing it no this is 83 oh sorry then so roger it would have been moore. so but that's why it's not considered officials because there's already a bond out there it's roger moore i i scanned the wikipedia page i i'm sure it's in here somewhere but essentially i think what it is is that it was produced by a different studio and somehow they got their, you know, hands on the James Bond brand. And I, I forgot that at the same year, Octopussy came out. And so they had two Bond movies in the same year coming out by different studios. One made by the studio that always makes a James Bond movie and a different studio that never made James Bond movies. And so for that reason, it's not considered canon to the James Bond universe. And my only point is that I don't think viewers had any clue or cared that it was done by a different company. When I, I but, saw it at the time and right. absolutely thought it was James Bond movie, but when you look at people's lists of James Bond movies, they don't include And that. that's, that's what I'm saying. For people like me, the reason I don't consider it an official James Bond movie is because it was done during the Roger Moore era. I thought it was during George La or between Lazenby and Moore, but it doesn't matter. The point is there was already a different Bond. So I'm like, oh, that's not official then. Because you can only have one bond at a time. But oh. I do like the movie. Anyway, so that's my number five. Um, because when I saw it in the theater at age 12, I feel like James Bond movies are perfectly marketed to 12-year-old boys. <laughs> yes. And, and that's why all the movies that are in my top five are movies I saw by the time I was 12. <laughs> but that was the only chance you would have had to see a Sean Connery Bond movie in the theater. In the theater, right. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's definitely an 80s movie. Yeah. And they have this scene where they're playing a video game. Uh, James, oh, yeah. James Bond and the the evil guy. And the idea goes is that... Which I wanted to play that game so I know. bad. As you start losing the game, it starts to electrocute your yeah. hands. Because, you know, you're, the controllers are both 
uh, you know, have, uh, shoot electricity through your yeah. body. And so not only are you beating the opponent, but you're, you're also a, beating them. <laughs> electrocuting them. And it's a game of chicken where if you hold on longer, you can maybe win, you know, anyway. Yeah. And so, and Rowan Atkinson is in the movie, Ken Basinger. Um, and I just, I just remember, cause it, to me, the, the bond movies up until never seen Never again felt like old movies to me. And when I saw never seen Never again, I was like, this feels like a movie that would come out today. Yeah. Um, number four is you only live twice, 1967. The only reason why I put it is because it takes place in Japan. Yeah. It's <laughs> and good. It, it's one of the old Sean Connery movies. It's got some terribly sexist and racist stuff in it, but, but it has also has some good Japanese rep- representation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he has a Japanese, agent counterpart yeah who um kicks ass you yeah know? And, and i like that movie it's and good. as a kid I, I just remember um being like oh my goodness james bond's going to japan um number three is octopussy i would have normally had this at number one but i recently rewatched this with birdo and it wasn't as good as i remember it being <laughs> but there's a lot of good stuff to it yeah um yeah. it's it's not complicated as you know great yeah. roger moore performance um, good action, I thought. Anyway, number two, Goldfingers. We already talked. Number one is Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Oh no way! Oh yeah, Lazenby. <laughs> because to me, having grown up with mostly uh, Sean Connery, George Lazenby has such class, but also he's more human and more, yeah. and he's softer and nicer and more emotive. And it's a good movie, by the way. It's a good movie. Yeah, and it stars Diana Rigg from uh, The Avengers and mm, who also yes, plays right. Elena Tyrell. She's, uh, I had a big crush on her. <laughs> yeah, and she died last year, by the way. But he, <gasps> Wait, that was that actress in Game of Thrones? Yeah. I never put that together. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, she, Diana Rigg had been at a billion things over the years. Um. Yeah, I just remember when I oh. saw this at the age of, you know, 12 or 15 or something on VHR, VHS, I I just I was just really taken by the movie, the story, the 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 setting, you know, the, mm. the I I guess at the time I was a skier as well, and yeah, I still and am. Yeah, it's got a great sequence of Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he falls in love and he gets married and yeah. this tragedy it's happens. It's a big deal. Yeah, it just, it felt very... It's a good story, it's a good movie, but you're still wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> to me, you know, up in, I, I never really fell in for the, oh, James, you know, that, that whole trope where some lady was swooning over him. Like, even it's as James a kid... It's man. I was swooning over him. <laughs> but, but even as a kid, I just thought, it just didn't... <laughs> I don't know. It's just not the sort of love story that I was looking for sure. because it, it it just felt like, well, next movie you're going to be with someone else. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, it just didn't feel very, I don't know. Very so you mean like when Roger Moore's in the space shuttle at the end of <laughs> Moonraker? <laughs> yeah. Look, I agree with you on all those points, but it is still blasphemous to put a Lazenby movie as number one. <laughs> Why? Because like, it's just not right. No, but because it's like me putting uh, The Living Daylights as number one. Why couldn't that be number one? Because, first of all, it is a good movie. Timothy Dalton is not Bond at all. Now, I will say George Lazenby was miles better than Timothy Dalton. But Lazenby didn't have the humor. The, the, but, 
Lazenby know. literally played a character called James Bond in a James Bond movie. Yeah, it's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> so top 10 James Bond songs. Start oh, with your yeah. number 10, Budo. All right. Actually, uh, let's take a break first. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. So let's do some OPP, some old patron O-P-P. praise. These patrons have been patrons since November of 2018. Wow. I want to give some praise to them for sticking with us through thick God and thin. praise you like I should. We have Melinda from New York. Oh. Megan. <laughs> Megan. I want to go to New York, man. Megan from Australia. We got Morani from El Paso, Texas. Mm. I've been to that little town. Very nice little town. We got Daniel, who we know from God knows where. Oh. We have Samuel from Newark, New Jersey. We got Amy from Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. Amy, I believe we have communicated with her. We got Miranda from God Knows Where. We got Michael from New York. We got Ashley from New, New Mexico. We got Jack from Minnesota, Minneapolis. Hmm. We, we got Ronnie from Norway. Uh, Just how Ronnie says. We have Anna from New York. We got Lara or Lara from Richland, Washington. You ever been to uh, Richland, no, Washington? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's a nice little town. Okay. Uh, and she's actually an upper tier. So was Michael, by the way, also upper tier. We got Jeppy from God Knows Where. We got Lily from Cheshire, Great Britain. Oh, guessing where that's where the Cheshire Cheshire. And we got Paulette, who I know from Antioch. Uh, oh. And so they have all been patrons of podcasts to say that all is right. amazing top 10 birdo songs okay so first of all i full disclosure that this should have been a top six list for me because after number six i barely even know the songs but <laughs> okay <laughs> i kind of got that way too actually okay number 10 this one i do know but diamonds are forever yeah forever this isn't a great song but it is very catchy <laughs> It is very catchy. It isn't a great song, but it is on my top 10. Listen. Well, it's because it is catchy, and I, I don't even like this Bond movie or anything, but it's a hard song to forget. Diamonds are forever. And it's also by Shirley Bassey, who did one of the higher songs on my list. Yeah, I think she sang like four or five. Yeah, she was very <laughs> successful. Number nine, I don't know how this song goes, because I forgot, but Skyfall by Adele. I'm giving it to her because I like Adele. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the the chorus, but it's very Adele-y. Skyfall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, number eight, The Living Daylights. Aha. Uh. Uh, I think it goes, take on me. Wait, you don't remember how this goes? <laughs> I don't remember how it goes. Living Daylights. Oh, yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, number seven. You know my name. Oh, yeah. Look up the number. No, that's not how it you goes. You know my name. That's not how it goes. It's not? No. <laughs> of course not. But I don't honestly remember how it goes. But it is You Know My Name from Casino Royale, Chris Cornell. And yeah, it's, it, it's very Chris Cornelly. You yeah. know my name. <laughs> All right. Wait, so you really have songs on the list that you don't seven even... Seven through ten. Oh, well, no. Seven through nine. You just, I you just why, how did you even because possibly... I'm giving the artist the oh, benefit of the doubt. Okay, okay. Okay. Number six. Goldfinger. Wow, 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 wow. I both slightly like this song, 
And it's very memorable. Yeah. Very memorable. Number five. Now these are the songs I really like. Number five. For your eyes only. Yeah. Sheena Easton. Only for you. I had a crush on Olivia Newton-John and Sheena Easton, but Olivia would trump Sheena. But anyways, yeah, for your eyes only. Number four. from Also from From Your Eyes Only. Number four. Do-do-do. Oh, wait, no, no, that's the other. Sorry. Uh, nobody does it better. And it's by Carly Simon from The Spy Who Loved Me, which is my uh, one of my other you know favorite movies. Wait, I thought it was Man from with the Golden Gun. Uh, nobody does it better. No. Are you sure? I'm sure. Positive. Uh, well, because I have it on my list too. And did I did I get it wrong? Oh yeah, Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. Yeah. It says my favorite Bond movie, and it's my number four favorite song. Um. Number three. Dun, 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 dun. This is the Duran Duran. Duran Duran one? Yeah. Beauty to a Kill. Yeah. This I really liked. I yeah. loved this song. I loved Duran Duran. Yeah. And this was from A View to a Kill. A View to a Kill. Quite cheesy. Nowhere near as bad as Moonraker. Very good action. Christopher Walken is fun. Not not the best Bond, Bond movie, but still quite serviceable. Yeah. You know... I think I just need to say this, that pretty much after, uh, let me look at the list here, after Octopussy, maybe, and and um, Never Say Never Again in 1983, I can't really remember any of the movies past that. I know I saw all of them in the theater, because right. I would have. But, but it's like a blank. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't remember anything about and a view to a kill or living daylights <laughs> or license to kill or golden. I don't remember anything. I remember there was a one. View to a kill has Grace Jones and Christopher Walken and the Zeppelin and okay. the horses. And was Grace Jones in another Bond movie as well? No, that's she's she's the one. She's okay. the henchman in a view to a kill. I, yeah, I just don't like. I I don't think I had realized that. Whereas if you asked me about like Thunderball or Russian with Love or Doctor No or you could tell me. Yeah, I mean okay. like there's there's scenes and yeah. and yeah. Anyway, number two, when you were young and your heart was an open book, so live and let die. By Guns N' Roses. <laughs> yes, but originally by Mr. Paul McCartney from the movie Live and Let Die, which is the one that takes place in New Orleans. And yes, it's like this this thing like the uh, it's racist. the black people in New Orleans must all be into witchcraft and, and, and uh, voodoo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, it's not a bad movie. It's the... Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty entertaining movie. Is that the one where they do the jump, jump over the river? In the car that does a flip. Do you know the scene uh, I'm talking about? I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Maybe. Um, anyways. And number one. This is the one that starts. Ready to go. We're in all time high. All time high from Octopussy. Rita Coolidge. Such a beautiful song. Yeah. And I remember because I've I told this story before. Octopussy is a movie that I saw at my friend's house when I was in fourth grade. 
I went over to his house and his dad had this room that had a, a projector in it. It's amazing. And this was in Colombia, like, you know, it's pretty cool. And so it was like going to the theater in a way. And it was just the two of us watching this movie. They were, we were definitely too young to watch unsupervised, but uh, it left such an impression on me. I loved it from the very beginning because they start with a little plane flight. He's in this little prop plane and, uh, and that song kicks in. And I was like, I fell in love with the song right there. I, I have the picture of me watching it in that room, hearing that song. Wait, you have a picture of yourself? No, the oh. mental picture. Oh. I wish I had a picture. Yeah, okay. Ours is pretty similar once you get up to the top. Um, my number 10 is the... Uh, uh, and I actually had to reacquaint myself with some of the more newer songs, but Quantum of Solace by uh, Jack White and Alicia Keys. Um, it's a jam. I can't sing it to you because there's not really a, a chorus. Because it's not memorable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good song though. It's like it's it's got a really Jack White feel to it, but it it has a like. I, a, I actually do remember liking it in the theater, like hearing it and being like, "Oh, yeah. this is fun." Right. But I don't remember it. At yeah. All. Um, my number nine is "A View to a Kill" by uh, performed by Duran Duran. Yeah. Uh, a view to a kill. That's like a. Like a genuine, I it's listen, a good song. I would just listen to that as yeah. part of my eighties. Like, I'm playlist. surprised it's number nine. Yeah, um, well, it's because these other songs I I find to be like amazing. Um, number eight is "For Your Eyes Only" by Sheena Easton. Great yep. song. For your eyes only, only, for only you. for you. And for me, I was I don't know fourteen when that song came out or something. So right up, you know, they probably played it on the radio. Um, you only live twice. Performed by Nancy Sinatra. It's my number seven. Mm. Um, Nancy Sinatra. I, you know, I went through a Nancy Sinatra phase. I think in the nineties, and I oh, feel really? like I, I need to go back because okay. Na- Nancy has some really great songs. I mean, everyone knows you know these boots are made for walking, right? Right. But she has like a lot of really great songs. Mm. She, I, and I I feel like she made some really interesting like uh, artistic choices to me she's sort of like the um the female um what's his face uh frank sinatra no <laughs> <laughs> um uh, what's what his name? genre like what well a single artist who sings uh ch- ch- you know the cherry song <laughs> the cherry song <laughs> Oh, cherry, cherry baby uh, god damn it cherry baby cherry. oh Frankie Valley. no um, <laughs> what are you talking about there? god damn it cherry no cherry, cherry song baby. 60s cherry. people are throwing their Neil Diamond Neil Diamond wait he does a song called cherry baby no it's just cherry oh you know, or something. anyway um I don't know. Don't ask me anything. <laughs> so okay. she's the female Neil Diamond, Neil Diamond Phillips. <laughs> cherry. <laughs> yeah, Cherry Cherry. Okay. Cherry Cherry. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know that one. Really? Oh. I know. Coming to America. That's the, they, old Neil, that's the only Neil Diamond song. You know a lot of Neil Diamond songs. I do, songs. but the, the reason I know that one so well is because they would play it on Eastern Airlines every time I was coming from Columbia. Okay, we're just going to have to propaganda. We're going to have to go through his his uh, his discography here just to kind of get his singles down here. Okay, singles. 
Um, cherry, cherry, uh, okay. Uh, girl, you'll be a woman soon. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. Kentucky woman. Don't know that one. Uh, that's a good one. Red, red wine. He wrote that. Red, red wine. Uh, be 40 is the only version I know. Which is very different from his version. Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline. Um... Cracklin' Rosie. Cracklin' no. Rosie. Uh, <laughs> he ain't heavy. He's my brother. I uh, want you. I'm dun, a believer. Dun, dun, dun. I'm a believer. Oh, wait. That's Neil Dye? Yeah, he wrote oh. that for the monkeys. Oh, okay, okay. Um, play Me. You've probably heard that song. Play me. Play you. No. Play us together naturally. Uh, let's see. Let's see. You don't bring me flowers. That's Play Me? anymore oh, i do know that song uh forever in blue jeans oh that's a good one forever in blue jeans uh hello again uh love on the wait love hello on the again rocks. is adele isn't it no love on the rocks don't know it uh america coming uh, to america Heartlight. today Heartlight, which was for et oh okay. turn on your heart light now <laughs> okay that's cheesy um but anyway, you know a lot of you know a lot of songs. Come on. Barely. Anyway, um, <laughs> Neil Diamond Phillips. <laughs> so, <laughs> where was I? Um, okay, number six, "Living Daylights" by Aha. It's actually okay. a pretty good song. Yeah, right? um, that I don't number remember. five. <laughs> I'm putting the Billie Eilish "No Time to Die." The new one, yeah. yeah. You know what? Actually, it'll probably. I, I don't even mean grow on me because I liked it. I just. It's not. See, the problem is a lot of these modern ones. They're not as memorable. Yeah. Well, because back in the day, the songs that, you know, Living Daylights. Those are songs. Well, they would play them on the radio. Yeah. And, Full on songs. And there were, it was a top 40 hit. And where, they managed to get both the Bond feel and, like, to me, uh, Live and Let Die is almost the perfect example. Because it's got all the bombastic stuff that you need for those intros. And yet, it's a perfect song, you know? I kind of feel like the the contemporary... Bond songs are also Bondy as well. They are. It's just not also a great song. Well, I mean, it depends what I, you mean, but it's not yeah, a memorable I, song. I think I part of it is our age. And two, um, again, like I said, back in the day, these songs were top 40 hits, meaning that you and I couldn't get away from these songs if we wanted to, and they became you yeah. know familiar, and then we fell in love with them. Whereas today, it's like the No Time to Die Billie Eilish song I guarantee you the only way I'm going to listen to that is if I dial it in. But it's not going to be playing at, you know, the Safeway or something over the loudspeaker. But I will say the the it annoys me a little bit. Okay, okay and I'll make some exceptions. Okay. Uh for your eyes only is the name of the movie and is the name of the song. Live and Let Die is the name of the but for some reason some of them are a little more on the nose than others so whereas like all-time high and nobody does it better um okay maybe, maybe almost all as, of them are directly yeah, okay. named after the thing of you, you that. to a kill yeah i'll give you that but yeah for some reason some of the more recent ones bother me more because it's like skyfall isn't a thing outside of see right of you to a kill is a pun yeah or you know a kind of a clever twist of you a could phrase. work it into a like, well but 
Uh, but but sky, Octopussy... And that's why you Skyfall. Well, <laughs> with Octopussy, they couldn't write a song with the chorus. They could have. Today they would have. They would have. <laughs> and that's why it's Octopussy. Well, well, no. So to be fair, a lot of the more uh, contemporary songs, the title of the song is buried in the lyrics. It's not like the... It's not the, you know, the, the chorus. Anyway, getting back to my list, uh, No Time to Die, Billie Eilish... I, I just really like Billie Eilish. I like her style. I like her, I do I, like her. I style. respect her and her brother's songwriting. Um, I like her personality. I, I like her art style. If I was a kid, I'm guessing I would really be into her. Yeah. Um, and there's some songs where I'm like, oh, okay, but I don't know. It's just not. I don't know. I'm just. I've got too many. All my slots for songs <laughs> have been taken up by Depeche Mode and The Cure and The Beatles. Um, <laughs> Number four, Live and Let Die by Paul. Uh, number three, Octopussy, all time. All time high. Because it's an octopussy. <laughs> and then number two is Nobody Does It Better. And it's interesting because at the time, and with a lot of these people, you know, Carly Simon was huge at the oh, time. Oh, yeah. And her voice is so distinctive. Oh, and, so good. And yeah, it gives me chills to get about that song because... That uh, the song really communicates the it's it's both a great song and a good kind of love song that you could dance to, it, and it gets to that powerful. I wasn't looking, yeah. Now that I found you, right? And then she does say, "The spy who loved me." So they get it in there, yeah. But they don't shove it in your face. Well, and <laughs> it it so encapsulates the love affair yeah. that you have with James Bond. You know? right. He's just like, no one does it better. Nobody He's does it better. Sex or spy stuff. It makes me feel sad for all the rest. <laughs> and then number one, of course, is Goldfinger. Cause Goldfinger. Gold, Goldfinger, thinking about it, you know, Goldfinger, the movie, and everything about it, even the theme song, is just so iconic. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I can't 100 years from now, I, I just hope that if they choose one Bond you know, product to have in the museum of time. It's for your majesty's secret service. (laughs) Great song in that one too. All right. So let's rank (laughs) our bond actors, uh, starting with number six, Birdo. Uh, there is no number six, but if there were, it'd be Sir Timothy Dalton. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, there's six. I know, but I, I, I really... So look, Timothy Dalton's this Shakespearean actor. Oh, you just, you just left him off the list. I almost, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a good actor, I'm sure. Not a Bond. He had no sense of humor. He was too dry. And I, it's probably not even his fault. It just... He looked too severe. It just didn't work. It's so sad. Yet, The Living Daylight's a good movie. It's a good movie. All right. Number five, George Lazenby. He did a good job. I commend him. And, and you know, he, his movie is better than almost all the Pierce Brosnan movies. You know, you're, in, you're absolutely entitled to your opinion. And I'm not going to say anything <laughs> negative. Uh, you know, you put him at number five. That's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's fine. People have different opinions. <laughs> People have different. Number four, Pierce Brosnan. Now, look, I know his movies are mostly very, very candy apple. Like, uh, but... Pierce Brosnan does look the part. Yeah. And he himself, within the construct of those movies, he did a fine job. Yeah. And I yeah, love that. Him. That's what I think both you know. Brosnan and Dalton suffered from. 
was terrible directing and writing. I mean, the little bit I do remember of those movies was just how how kind of just stupid they were. No, I mean, no, no, I'm, I'm, not, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm lumping a lot of stuff into yeah, one thing because the but, second Dalton movie was really stupid. Okay. C- Cause to me it was trying, it was almost cause you know, like to me, the, the earlier James Bond movies, they were trying to make a movie. Yeah. They weren't parroting their own thing. You know, yeah. I felt like at a certain point, they were going, ha, 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 look at us. But also, during the time, that's the way action movies were. I mean, this is during, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff. Well, but I will say this. Look, Timothy Dalton's first movie was The Living Daylights. That one actually is, is good, and it doesn't parody itself. Okay. The second one doesn't parody itself. It's just stupid. It's the one with the drug runners in Colombia. Right. That's and the one that pops into my head. With the truck that does a wheelie to avoid a, a missile. Right. Like, I mean, but... Pierce Brosnan, I I agree. Other than Gold Goldeneye, which wasn't great, but it was okay. The rest of them are really like the scary movie, yeah, of the Bonds. Yeah, like look know, at us, we're doing another get Bond. It, wink, wink. We're doing a Bond. We've got all thing. the little things. Yeah. Um, okay, number three, Daniel Craig. I love Daniel Craig. I thought he was amazing. I don't like a lot of his movies. I do like Casino Royale. I I like the new one. Um, I liked part of Skyfall and I didn't like the rest of it I didn't I don't really remember Quantum of Solace that much I need to rewatch it I really didn't like his last movie before this one but I like him he didn't look the part but he did play the part yeah and and I respect it number two Sean Connery oh this is so controversial I went back and forth a billion times I had to give the number one to Roger Moore because he was my first Bond yeah and he's iconic. It's controversial because, you know, when we were growing up, everyone was like, Sean Connery is the best and Roger right. Moore sucks. Like, everyone right. hated Roger Moore. And, right. and I was always like, why? Yeah. I mean, Sean Connery is great, but Roger Moore is also great. Yeah. And Roger Moore, out of all of them, had the best comedic timing. Yeah. He was so funny. And and he definitely looked the part, especially in the first movie. The, the last couple, he was looking his age, but, but he, he was like... In his 60s, I know. I he, think. he looked fantastic. Yeah, for, he looked so age. good for his age. But he really had that smoothness. And the one thing also, he wasn't as big of a jerk to women. The right. movies still had that, but he wasn't. Yeah. And uh, also, between Sean Connery and him, Sean Connery is actually technically probably a more believable character. He's a little more rough and tumble, maybe more what an actual spy would be like. But Roger Moore is kind of what I picture as a refined, uppity British spy. Totally. Like a little more, you know, white Fancy. collar. Little, yeah. yeah, a little fancier. <laughs> Tough tier. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's my list. Uh, for me, I put Daniel Craig number six, which it's not his fault. It's it's not his fault. Oh but my God. That's it, the fighting word. It's totally not his fault because, you know, I, he, he's been in a lot of movies before James Bond and I liked him yeah. in, a, in a lot of other movies. He, he, he plays sometimes like a like a goofball. Sometimes he can play like a, a tragic villain. Um, but in this movie, it's like I f- these movies, particularly the first. Wasn't uh, he in Knives Out, by the way? Yeah, he was great he in was that. He was good in that. Yeah. yeah. He was also in Road to Perdition, I believe. And the girl with the dragon tattoo? Was he? Anyway, he's a great know. actor. So it's not his fault. Uh, it's the way that they wrote it. And they clearly made this choice. And it clearly worked because people love these movies. But 
his character, who is who is the Daniel Craig James Bond? Other than just he's a badass parkour buff expert. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a he's a machine. He's like he's like the Terminator. Terminator. You know what I mean? Like there's no character, there's no humor, there's no warmth, you know? It's just he's a machine. He's like a an angry animal. Like I I don't he, and when he's not when he's not angry, he's sad, you know? Or not really sad, he's more like screw it, I'm going to be in this, you know, uh, Jamaican paradise while I scowl at the moon, you know, like it, there, it, I, I just, I, I, I long for the, you what know, you Roger Moore, Sean Connery times when, when these characters and the actors, I felt like I could re- hang out with, you're not going to hang out with the Daniel Craig, James Bond. Why are you such a robotist? <laughs> uh, number five, Timothy Dalton for all the reasons I, and in, in addition to, I don't even really remember him. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember I didn't I like it. I can't believe you put him up. Oh, my God. Number four, you got Pierce Brosnan for okay. similar reasons. Um, and I, but boy, because, you know, I lived through the the years yeah. where we wanted Pierce we Brosnan. wanted him so bad from yeah. Remington so, Steel. So, oh. so for those who don't know the history, you had Sean Connery, you had George Lazenby, you had Roger Moore. Everyone agreed growing up. So you just had three. And everyone agreed. Sean Connery was the best. Roger Moore was like, everyone hated Roger Moore when I was a kid. It was just like, he was like a joke. And then George Lazenby was like, who's that? So it was all about Sean Connery. And Pierce Brosnan was on this show called Remington Steel that was popular in the 80s. Yep. And he was, everyone was like, oh my God. And because Roger Moore's getting older and you have this Pierce Brosnan guy who's young and he just, it's like, if you drew a picture of James Bond, it would be Pierce Brosnan. You yeah. know? And he was British and he, you know, tall and he was a tall drink he of water. He looked great in a tux. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he was just amazing. And um, apparently what uh, reportedly happened was the James Bond uh, studio was like, okay, Pierce Brosnan. And he's like, yeah. But because it leaked to the press that he was going to become the next, next James Bond, the TV show Remington Steel took off. Everyone was like, well, who is this next James mm-hmm. Bond? So everyone started watching Remington Steel. Oh, I didn't know that part. Oh. And and they the, the Remington Steel people were like, well, we'll up your, you know, your, oh, your contract. No. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I won't do the next James Bond movie, but I will do Remington Steel. And that's why they had to go. And with that's Timothy why they Dalton. had to do Timothy Dalton. Oh shoot! And then, and this is just what I read in a little article. <laughs> so, and then he, and then um, once Timothy Dalton was named, uh, Remington Steele's numbers plummeted. Oh, oh no! Yeah, or something, something like that. That sucks. But anyway, yeah. So Pierce oh, Brosnan, there was so much hype around him because at the time people thought Roger Moore was the crappiest you know, James Bond ever. And they thought Pierce Brosnan would bring back the suave, you know, well, kind I mean, of yeah. swarthiness was, to, to the character. At that point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then when he came out as, as James Bond and started making movies, finally, it was like, like too little too late or something. And the, I think the scripts weren't written very well. Who knows? Um, number three is that, that my top three are impossible for me to differentiate, by the way. Like I, I just can't, you know, it's like, do I like Han Solo or Luke Skywalker or Leia? Like, how do I how do I pick? But if I had to, they're very you know they're very closely lumped together. But I put Roger Moore number three. Love Roger Moore as we were saying 
the word I have for him is smooth. Smooth operator. Number two, I got Sean Connery. Oh, I see. So you're leaving an open number one. I, I like it. Just leave uh, it open. Sean Connery, super cool. The epitome of masculinity in good ways and bad. And bad. Number one, George Lazenby. Because he is, my word for it, is relatable. I see. Okay, this was like a parody list. I get it. <laughs> you are not entitled to your options. <laughs> well, I am entitled to end this podcast. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because... You deserve it.